service, so I won't be doing one um, this Saturday, but I'll, I'll probably share a little bit more. There's so much here that we could talk about on the true meaning of Christmas, and that's really what I really want to do with you guys. Um, <clears throat> let me just share a quick testimony. I thought this was fun, and it really, I asked Barb if I should share this for Christmas, and I, I think it's pretty cool. So <clears throat> this is from Celeste. I think I pronounced your name right. And she says, I keep wanting to share a testimony of answered prayer, but I keep getting more and more. For the past three weeks, I've been watching every one of your uh, Freedom Ministries YouTube videos, which I found randomly. This message is so real and true, but I've been having to unlearn 50 years of wrong theology and and rewire my brain. So it's taking a little time. I've been a Christian my whole life, but your teachings are the truth. And I'm rejoicing that after 50 years, I finally really know Jesus. We have to get this message out to everyone because not many Christians I know, and I know a lot, do not know this. Anyway, let me tell you my recent testimonies. It finally clicked a few days ago how to really pray like you teach. I used to lock myself in a prayer closet for at least an hour a day and have fits. Ha ha. Spitting, tonguing, rebuking. So three days ago, I was in my prayer closet, but this time it was just natural. I was just so grateful and thankful. I visualized. I drew a picture of what I wanted. I saw specific pieces of furniture I wanted sold in an antique booth where I sell items. My prayer was short but I felt so connected to God. The next day that prayer was answered. Those two p- specific pieces sold and it was very specific. So <clears throat> the next day I went to my prayer closet and did the same thing. I prayed that a hand painted kitchen table I have for sale in my booth that's been there forever and would not sell no matter what I did would finally sell. I saw it sold. I literally drew a picture of the table and wrote on it, quote, white table sold, unquote. I walked out of my closet and my phone started ringing. It was the lady at the antique store who manages my booth. She said, you know that, White kitchen table in your booth. I almost dropped the phone. Smiling, smiling, I said, yes. Someone was making an offer. So I countered at the price I had set in my mind, and they accepted. Sold. I could go on and on, but my life has been transformed. I've never felt this peaceful or this loved. I feel love radiating from me, and I cannot stop smiling. So grateful for your ministry and teachings. God bless, Celeste. I think that's cool because it really is this whole Christmas message. And so I'm going to dig into scripture deep here, guys. And, uh, but I want to summarize it first that what is Christmas? And, uh, the real truth of this whole thing is I think we've been celebrating the wrong birth. And I'll explain that here in a second. There's two births you always see in scripture. There's one of physical birth, which is flesh. And then one, there's one of spiritual birth, which is spirit. It talks about two sons and two nations and, and all through scripture. And, uh, The reality is this, when you finally realize that you are one with God, that you're a son of God, that you are a joint heir of Jesus Christ, that he loves you no matter what. He's never kept record of wrong of you because he never can. He's pure love. He's never done that. He loves, blesses, favors, heals because that's who he is. And he can't do anything other. So true sozo, true salvation, which is healing, wholeness, where my heart is finally at rest, like this testimony comes from when you know you're perfectly loved, that you're a son and daughter, which means you're one with God, no matter what. Even the mistakes you're going to make 30 years from now, he goes, and what do you want? I still love, I bless, I favor, I honor, I heal because I just love you. That's, That's how I am. I'm not into the good, bad tree. I'm into the only, the one tree of love. So what is Christmas? And I think when you understand, I'm going to show you this. So We see these concepts all through scripture where it says the kingdom of God is where I can't communicate with you because I've got you on mute so I can get through this, but it's within you. 
<clears throat> and then it says this mystery that's been hidden for ages, but is now revealed. I mean, it's always been there, but it's now there's a revelation of it is Christ is in you. The anointing is in you. It's not somewhere outside. It's not some people are anointed or some not anointed. And I love what Francois posted, I think yesterday, where it says Christmas is Christ, the anointing for the masses, every human being. I go, yes, I know that's not what Christmas literally means, but that's what it is. It's a celebration of the anointing is on every human being on the planet and that everyone's a son. So the the mystery is Christ is in you. And the scriptures say, if somebody says Christ is over here or Christ is over here or Christ is coming at this time or he's going to come and stand in Jerusalem again as a physical man, don't believe them because that's never going to happen. Because the mystery is Christ is in you. And he says, the kingdom does not come with anything observable, meaning it's in the secret place. It's a spiritual thing. You know, Hebrews tells us the stories of scripture are just types and shadows. And if you click on the word shadow, I'm not going to do it now just for time. It literally says a dark picture, meaning it's not complete revelation. You can kind of see what they're talking about, but it's a type and a dark picture of something way better when you get revelation of the real thing. And then Hebrews 11, one, the next chapter says, faith is the real thing. Something spiritual is the real thing. So every story in scripture, guys, is, I'm not saying it's not literal, the the story, but the story is not the real thing. It's just a dark picture. The meaning behind the story about something that happens in you, something spiritual that happens in you, faith is the real thing. So all those are stories, dark pictures. They're still in the dark. There's still a little bit of a shadow there until you get the complete revelation of your one with God and you're perfectly loved. So all the salvation verses, if you look at all the salvation verses and we'll go through them. Well, well, let me just back up. So if the Christ is in you, it doesn't come with anything observable. The kingdoms within you, uh, all the stories in scripture, if you read them literally are just dark shadows. Then should we read Luke two and Matthew, the Christmas stories literal? And I think that's why there's not much healing. Barb and I were talking about that. We've all grown up with all the stories, but what does it mean spiritually? And all I'm saying is, let's celebrate all those stories. But what does it mean spiritually? What if it's way better than you were ever taught? Because I just know me, if I'm just going to be realistic, I, you know, I, I grew up and sang all the songs and, and uh, you know, we would read Luke too. But somehow that never healed my heart and made me whole. So if all I had to do is believe that story and somehow that made me whole, it didn't work for me. The only thing that worked for me was when I found out I was literally pure love. No matter what, even the mistakes I'm going to make 10 years from now, 20 years from now, he keeps no record of wrong. I am the spotless lamb that he's been talking about, the spotless bride that he's been talking about. And so are you. That heals my heart. That, that, I know he responds in love no matter what. That heals me. That makes me whole. And so when we see all the stories about wholeness, about sozo, which is healing, salvation, wholeness, they talk about a birth. But they talk about a spiritual birth. So what I'm here to say that that story is something about that happens to you spiritually within. That's not your physical birth. So then I think when we read the Christmas story, which I'm going to do, and you hear things about virgin birth, well, a virgin birth, what would a virgin birth mean? And I see people get violent, like it literally was a virgin. I'm not, that's not the argue. I'm just saying that's a, that's a dark shadow. It's not the real thing. The real thing is there was a birth that you're going to experience that did not require man and woman to know each other 
Christ was in you. The seed of God was literally in you, and it didn't require a male sperm to generate this new sonship. It was revelation. That's why the virgin birth. That's why all these stories start to make sense when you get about it. So <clears throat> I, want to, I want you to just, these are a couple of questions you can ask yourself. Celebrating a literal birth of Jesus 2,000 years ago only occurs twice in Scripture, Matthew and Luke. Now, isn't it interesting that the older Gospels, in fact, the oldest Gospel most people think is John, John doesn't talk about it. Paul never talks about it. So when he goes through all of Acts, like uh, this is one of the, if it's not the biggest holiday in the Christian world, it's the second behind Easter, whichever one you want to do. It wasn't even celebrated by the writers of scripture. It was not even celebrated until the fourth century when Rome started to celebrate it in place of Saturnalia because they worshiped Saturn and had a big festival and gave gifts. And, uh, but that's not the point. I love, I'm all in on Christmas. I love Christmas. Let's give gifts, etc. because it's about something way better than what we've ever been taught. But if the, if the writers of scripture never celebrated it, you cannot find any record of it anywhere until really like the fourth century under Constantine. Because nothing was happening in the winter. The feasts, the seven feasts, which are types and shadows of good things to come, what the ultimate is, I'm going to Pentecost with you. You're going to realize that I dwell in this tabernacle of skin, which is you. That's going to make you whole, that God's not out here where you have to be afraid of somebody. I'm one with you, and I love you perfectly, and I gave you everything. That was Paul's argument in Romans 8, where he says, wait a minute, if God's our dad, then we are sons. He didn't give us a spirit of fear where we have to worry about God. You're going to see that this, the, the shepherds in the dark feared when they saw this great light. He didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of daddy, Abba, father, where he says, I didn't give you that spirit of fear of slavery and bondage anymore. We have to work for your sonship. I gave you the spirit of sonship and we can cry out Abba, father. And if he's our dad, then we're kids. And if we're kids, we have an inheritance. And in fact, the inheritance is so good that it's one with Jesus. We're a joint heir of Jesus Christ. So whatever you can imagine Jesus is experiencing has already been freely given to you. That's Christmas. So you can dig in on all this other stuff. Like, why doesn't John talk about it? Why doesn't Paul talk about it? Or maybe they do because they're talking about something different. So let me just go into this. Let's go into John. So I got to share my screen here. But remember, all the all the salvation, when, when there, a birth happens, salvation happens. But what birth? That's what I'm trying to get at. So <clears throat> this might be heavy for some of you guys. That's why I go, just know you're loved and you're a son, and that'll make you whole. <laughs> That's the real story, that God's not mad at you, never could be, never will be. Um, <clears throat> let me just move my screen so I don't have to keep messing with this thing. All right. So here's John 3. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, the leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus. Now, this is critical. At night, remember all the stories are dark shadows, dark pictures. They're not quite the full revelation. So he comes at night in darkness. So he is a shepherd of the the Jewish people. He's shepherding them in darkness. I'm already pointing to some of the things in the Christmas story. Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who comes from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, amen, amen, or truly, truly, I tell you. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. That's where we get born again. But if you click on it, it literally is from anno, from above, from analogy, from the first. Meaning you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you realize your birth is not from your physical mother. 
and your physical father, your true family name, your true surname, your true birth is spiritual from above. So, and the question was, now how can he be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time to be born? Jesus answered, amen, amen, truly, truly, I tell you, no one enters the kingdom of God unless he's born of water, or you're drawn out of water from your mother's womb, and the spirit. Flesh is born of flesh. That's the one birth. There's a second birth. Spirit is born of spirit. Now, if you're spiritually born, it does not create a fleshly seed. So you can have a virgin birth. You can have a virgin. No man's involved in this. God's involved in this. Do not be amazed that I said you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from. Meaning you can't see it because it's the kingdom of God is within, but you can see the effects. You don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. So is everyone born of the spirit? You can't see it. You never will be able to see it. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher and you don't understand these things? Truly, I truly tell you. You speak of what we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. Yet you people don't accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you not believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? And it's just, the word rainy or rainous, spiritual things. No one has this. Now here, this is key guys. No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven. Now I'm going to pick this apart a little bit. The Jews believed in two things. They believed in the death, this current age, but they believed in the age to come, the resurrection. Meaning they're going to be resurrected. Re, again, they're going to be again with God, resurrected. Now what's interesting is what he's, what is he saying here? He's saying no one has ascended into heaven. Now it says the one capitalized. It's literally the definite article. It's the. Why they put a capital on this, I have no idea. But anyway, that's why a lot of people are so confused. Here's what he's saying. No one will ever be resurrected. No one will ever ascend into heaven unless they first came from heaven. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Nicodemus, if you believe in a resurrection, a resurrection, you first have to realize everybody's original source came from heaven. Nobody's going to resurrect unless that's where they came from. Hopefully you guys are getting this. The son of man. It's all capitalized again. It's really huyas, son of mankind. All of mankind descended from heaven. And if you believe in a resurrection, Nicodemus, there's nobody going to get resurrected unless they first came from there. That's what he's saying. Now, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, Moses literally means to be drawn out of water, guys. So he's going, when you, when you realize you've been drawn out of water, you've been birthed out of your mother's womb, and he was lifted up, the son of Anthropos is going to be lifted up the same way. His first birth was out of his mother. His second birth, he was lifted up. I don't know. This is so easy, but I don't know why people. Anyway, everyone believes in that will have eternal life, Ionian life, life of this age. And then he tells us the classic verse. So God so loved the world, he gave every one of you sonship. That's what it's all about, guys. Now, so let me read this from a Christian rabbi. about We might be interpreting this whole Christmas thing wrong. So here's what he's saying there. You will enter the kingdom of God and experience sonship when you realize your true birth is spiritual. It's not from your father's sperm. It's from God himself, the virgin birth. No woman has to be with a man to receive this birth because 
This birth is the seed of Christ that's been planted in you for ages, but is now revealed and you come alive till you realize I'm a son. Holy smokes. I came from God and I'm going to return to God. Moses, no, Nicodemus, listen, nobody's going to go to heaven unless you realize you first came from there. Now, was Nicodemus going to go? Yeah, of course. But he didn't understand any of this because he thought he was only birthed out of his mother. Now, Christian rabbi, Christmas means man's birth as God. Two births. Now, we say John and Mark, the older gospels, don't talk about this birth that Luke 2 and Matthew 1 talk about, about Jesus being birthed. I think they do. They just don't talk about it the same way because they didn't think of it that way. John 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word became flesh and tabernacled in us. John 1, our physical birth is God's incarnation. For incarnation signifies the assumption of a divine being in human form. When you were born, your little human form was assumed by God. Christmas, on the other hand, marks the departure from God's incarnation, which happened at your physical birth, to your realization your birth is from God. There are two births. When one God assumes your human form, and this is why the Jews guys never celebrated Christmas like we do as a, as a literal birth of Jesus on earth, because the kingdom doesn't come with anything observable. They were celebrating something much different. So they didn't celebrate the actual birthday. That's why Paul doesn't talk about it. John talks about something different here. It's like we're sharing. <clears throat> when God assumes human form, and when you assume the divine form as God, the first birth is from below. What, what Jesus tells Nicodemus here is from water, from your mother. You were drawn out of the water. While the second birth called Christmas is from above. And Christmas Lily is the anointing for everyone. You realize you're anointed. Every child born of a woman is God incarnate, or the child could not even be aware of who he is. His consciousness is God's incarnation. Now, this is a a Christian rabbi, meaning they're doing a spiritual interpretation of their book. And they talk about in here that when it went from Jerusalem-centric, where they understood all the symbolism in here, to Rome-centric, taking everything literally, they missed it. So this is the spiritual interpretation of the, the writers of Scripture. The world, not knowing this, celebrates the wrong events, which is why the, the, the writers of Scripture didn't celebrate it. It wasn't There's was no celebration until Constantine started making it up in the 4th century. For Christmas is when man becomes conscious of being God. Holy smokes. When, if you're a son, that means you're conscious of God. God actually became you the moment you breathed. For breath and spirits, the Greek word pneuma, are one, and the same word in Hebrew and Greek. When you are spanked on your little behind, took one deep inhalation and breathed, God incarnated man, right? Then you go through the furnaces of experience, the fire. Paul says, we're all going to go through fire. And every wrong idea is going to, all the wood, hay, and the stubble is going to be burned up. And we're going to realize that we are one with God. When you experience this, no other events will take you back. There's no other way back. He literally became you that you may become God. We are told that Jesus Christ is God's son, yet is yet is he who claims I and the Father are one. <clears throat> Claiming to be the son who is, who is the father is a paradox, yet it's resolved when you realize the son coming out from the father remains the father, but is restricted by this human flesh, this incarnation. God the father takes upon himself the form of slavery and becomes a son. He's obedient unto death, even death upon the cross of man, the two sticks of mankind. This God wears as he moves from one state to another, to another in what the world calls death, 
until God experiences the one definite plan to return you to himself, the Father. So Christmas marks not the incarnation of God, but the birth of man as you realize you are one with God. Now let's get into the Christmas story. Let's go to Luke 2. Is this good? I don't know. Some of you guys, I don't want to take anything from Christmas because I love it. We've been opening presents for three, four days now. Like We do it. But it's something way better is what I'm trying to get at. So this actually heals my heart, makes me happy. So here's Luke 2, the real Christmas story. So that we, well, why do Luke and Matthew are the only ones who talk about this? And I say they don't. John just did what I talked about. But he's talking about a different birth than what we think because the kingdom, Christ, everything's in secret in the spiritual place where you can't see it. Faith is the real thing. It has nothing to do with anything spirit. The, the, the literal stories are, are dark shadows. They're not in full light. Faith, something that you realize by, by reading these stories that happens in you is the title deed is what it says. So <clears throat> anyway, the birth of Jesus. So if the birth of Jesus is a story about something that happens in you, Jesus literally means Yahweh saves. So there's a birth we just read in John uh, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Hey, Nicodemus, when you realize that you're born from above, now there's salvation. So when they say in this day, there's light that happens because you're no longer in darkness. A savior is born. What's he talking about? It's when you come to light. So anyway, let's read this. Uh, Where should I start? All right, let's start in uh, the shepherds and the angels. Verse eight. Because this is where I think most people start when they read the Christmas story. And you're going to hear it all through, guys. And uh, it doesn't really heal anybody's heart. Sounds good. Um, there were shepherds residing in the field. Wasn't Nicodemus a shepherd, but he was in darkness? We're going to see that here, I think. There were shepherds residing in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks by day or night, guys. By night. They're in darkness. Just then, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were so excited. No, you got to understand. They thought they were separate from God and God's anger and requires sacrifice. They were scared to death when God shows up. <clears throat> That's why I joke about the, the bumper stickers here in Colorado Springs. It says, Jesus is coming, act busy. Listen, they can't even read their own book. When it says, if Jesus is coming here or he's coming over there and he's going to come and land in Jerusalem again, do not believe them because it's never going to happen. Because the mystery that's been hidden for ages is the anointing's in you. You're the tabernacle. You're God incarnate. Amen? Does this help you guys? The whole story is about you. So anyway, they were terrified. The messenger, Angelo, said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings unless you accept me, and then I'm going to burn you forever. No, that's not even close to what it says. It says, I bring you good tidings and news of great joy that will be for the Christians. No, again, pass. The entire mankind, all, everybody, all people. Today, today again, today is the time between sunup and sundown. Today, so it's in light, guys, is what he's talking about. In the city of David. Now, if you go look at city, it's literally the inhabitants. Now, we see this whole message in Hebrews where it says, Mount Zion, you've come to the heavenly Jerusalem. The physical Jerusalem is full of slavery. Your physical birth, thinking you're going to be you're going to be blessed by God because of somehow the right family you were born in, or whether you were Jewish, he goes, that leads to bondage and slavery. That leads to death. You have come to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the multitudes of messengers is what it says. 
proclaiming to you. Keep carrying on. There's great news coming. The spiritual Jerusalem is what he says. That's the city, the inhabitants of life. So here's what it says. In light, you're going to be inhabitant of love. David is love. A savior has been born. What did we just say? There's two births. One that you can see, the fleshly birth. Another one you can't see, the spiritual birth. So if there's salvation born in light, it has nothing to do with a literal Jesus 2,000 years ago. That is a dark shadow. The real thing is that what is due to you in light? Behold, you've been born in love. You weren't, when you when you have your kids, Solomon sitting here, we didn't go, what a sinner. Man, I hope he makes the right decision so he doesn't burn forever. No, that's horrible. <laughs> what a horrible theology. No, we were like, he's perfect. He's born out of love. And when everybody gets that, that's so zo that you weren't born a sinner. You were born perfected. You were born the spotless lamb. Amen? Anyway, uh, do not be afraid. I bring you, my wife's laughing going, this is going to rock some people. But it's the best news I've ever heard. So I bring you good news of great joy. That's going to be for everybody. Today, the inhabitants of love, salvation has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The mystery that's been hidden for ages is not Christ is out there somewhere, is going to be over there. What is the mystery that's been hidden for ages but is now revealed because there's been light? He's in you. The anointed one is in you. He is Christ the Lord, and it's in you. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Mm. So if Christ in you, the hope of glory. So this new birth is going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, here's what's here's the type and shadow, which is so cool. And I might talk about this next Sunday on the fellowship. There's so much we could talk about this. I've done some services in the past on Migdal Adair, the Tower of the Flock, where literally the lambs that were going to be sacrificed, there was a there was a separate shepherds that watched them by night. <clears throat> and because these lambs had to be born spotless and perfect in every way, not a blemish. They weren't sinner lambs. They weren't sinner sheep. They weren't go, you were born in sin. Because Adam's first sin. No, these were these were sheep that are born in perfection and spotless and beautiful. The spotless bride. And when they were born, if you've ever seen animals, uh, uh, I know some of you guys on here, farm kids like Barb and I, if you ever see a new horse or a new lamb or a new cow or anything being born, when they're trying to walk, they're fumbling all around. They're, they're bumping into gates and they're cutting themselves. and It's chaos because they're learning how to walk, which is a whole other picture we could talk about. But anyway, what they would do is they would wrap them in swaddling clothes so they would never have a spot or blemish on them. And they would put them in a feed trough. Now, here's what's really interesting. The spiritual truth of this, if Christ is in you, what are the swaddling clothes? The perfect seed of God, Christ is in you, and he wraps you with this skin clothes. We'll we'll talk about this here in in just a couple more minutes. I'm going long, sorry. Um, You are, he incarnates this swaddling clothes of skin. And you are lying in a manger. Now manger, we can see a couple things of manger, but I want to show you something. Uh, Let's just, let's go there. I'll show you the manger real quick. Suddenly there appeared with an angel, a great multitude of the heavenly host, just like we see in Hebrews. There's this heavenly host that's going, you have not come to this to the mountain where there's fear. You've come to the spiritual Jerusalem, which now is. And all creation is new when you get this, guys. You are the new birth. You are the new heaven and new earth. Everything is new in you. 
Amen. And it says, there's this multitude of messengers talking to you. And so the same thing here. Host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, shalom, irene, to men on whom his favor rests. His favor rests on everybody, the anointing of all men. And the angels left them and gone into heaven. The shepherds said to another, let us go to Bethlehem, the house of bread. Bet is the tabernacle. The new covenant revelation is, who's the tabernacle? <laughs> you are the house of God. So the house of bread, where Jesus goes, I have bread, you guys, you don't know anything of, you don't know anything about. The true house of bread is the revelation of who you are within, guys. The bed is always inside. The tabernacle is, is you. The, the, the seed is in you. <clears throat> uh, where was I? So I get, I get excited about this. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. So let us go to Bethlehem, the house of bread, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Now, it's interesting that there, there, were, there were shepherds. There were also three wise men, if we look in the Matthew narrative. Now, Paul tells us when there's this birth, three things testify. There's always three witnesses. Now, guess what? There were, there were three witnesses, but they didn't see the actual birth. Why? Because it's inside you. But they talked about it. They witnessed about it. So <clears throat> let us go to Bethlehem, the house of bread, and see the thing that's happened. The Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and a baby. Now, Mary and Joseph, what does this mean, guys? Joseph literally is like Jonah. It's, it's Yeshua. It's Joseph. It's all from the same root as Yahweh saves. So Yahweh saves and Mary. What is Mary? I want to read this to you. This is kind of interesting. <clears throat> and maybe next Sunday we'll talk about gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which that's all about. Why did, the, why did these witnesses have gold, frankincense, and myrrh? I'll give you a little clue. They all happened in the tabernacle at three different stages. The outer court, the holy place, and the holiest of holies. All of one, all three of them were there. They're only mentioned in, they're mentioned in different books of the Old Testament, but the only time they happen is in the tabernacle. And what is the true tabernacle? The revelation is it to you. Mary, uh, the study, the NOBSC study Bible has listed as Mary, Miriam. Mary, Miriam just means plural of Mary. And it says obstinacy, uh, Old Testament proper names, I am, the ending of Miriam to be the third person masculine, the rebellion. However, these names have nothing to do to the noun myrrh, frankincense and myrrh. Myrrh meaning myrrh. They celebrate a connubial merger of mankind and the creator. Connubial just means wedlock, married. Mary, they see Mary, they see themselves, they realize they're married to Yeshua. Holy smokes. The connubial man merger of mankind and the creator. We surmise Miriam, Mary is a proper plural form, and thus myrrh and occasions that call for myrrh, which were wedding celebrations and in the temple, the holy the holy place when they would do the, the anointing of oil and the, and the prayers. Since the words of mother, am, and the tribe of people, Uma, are closely related, both come from the root mem, myrrh, the name Miriam, Mary, is a community in which every individual is anointed with the myrrh oil. Hallelujah, guys. Christmas is the, the anointing for the masses. When you realize what they realize, guys, is that myrrh, they were in a canobial wedding with Yeshua, Joseph. And they were sons of this divine wedding. You getting this? 
<laughs> Holy smokes, it's so good when you get it. They hurried off and they found a marriage between Yeshua and where son, this new birth was in them. And it was lying in a manger. Now, what's manger? I want to show you. It's a feed trough where, hey, if we take it just as the feed trough, and if we look at it, it's this abus in Hebrew, and it lays a feed trough. It, so you can take it as, hey, go feed on this thought that you are married to God himself and you're a son. So we always see that. We always sonship and we see we're the bride of Christ. We see these beautiful relational things. That's what this story's about. <clears throat> and so lying in a manger, fatne in, in Greek, but if you click on it just for time, so I'm, I'm, I see that I'm going long. Um, it literally says it's for abus or abus in Hebrew. Now, abus is aleph bet samek. Aleph bet ab. Ab is what? Ab, father, dad. I didn't give you a spirit of fear. I gave you a spirit of, he's my dad. Samek, if you go look at it, is literally a circle. And it's symbolic of a wedding ring. So the manger, you are wrapped with clothes and put in perfection. And you need to feed on that you're married to God. Now, if you're the bride of Christ, or if you're the son or daughter of Christ, holy smokes, you've got a good inheritance. You've got a father. You've got an inheritance. He says, I'm not going to leave you widows and orphans. I'm going to give you a marriage. And I'm giving you an inheritance because you're a son or daughter. Hopefully it starts to make sense to you guys. A manger. But I want to show you something else. <clears throat> the types and shadows, guys. It says all the Old Testament stories, the types and shadows. I want to show you something really wild. And so I've just pulled this up. I want to show you this. So the manger may have been Sukkot or tabernacle. Now, the last revelation, the last feast, the Jewish feast was they would go build a skin tent, basically a little tabernacle, and they would dwell in it as if they were dwelling with God. Uh-oh. The manger may have been a sukkot, or tabernacle, which is the flimsy little hut that Israelites build during the tabern- Feast of Tabernacles, as commanded in the Torah, Leviticus 23. We see the connection between a manger and a sukkah in Genesis 33. I was shared that last week. That's what I was going to point to this, where Jacob becomes Israel when he realized God and I are one. I see that I'm God. Now I'm Israel. So Genesis 3, 30, where Jacob built booths or tabernacles, <clears throat> Sukkot, for the plural of Sukkah, for his livestock. Well, Peter, when he says, hey, Peter, the whole foundation of the church is going to be when you realize that the son of mankind, their true origin, is God. They're really birthed from God. And upon that revelation, something spiritual that you can't see, but that birth, I'm going to build my church. And if we get to the very end of John, you all know that narrative where he's talking to Peter three times. Peter, do you love me? What does he say? Feed my sheep. Feed my livestock. Take care of my livestock. He's equating it to people, us, guys. So livestock, barn, or manger, as well as a temporary habitation where Israelites would dwell during the biblically commanded festival of Sukkot. I don't believe he was born during the Feast of Tabernacles. I think they miss it here, but I love this part. Right here, that the Septuagint, the LXX, Greek word for sukkah, in Genesis 33, 37, is skinus. Now, what does skinus, skinus sound like? Skin. Skinus. The habitation, dwelling, or tabernacle. What did we just say? The whole thing about this, this birth is when you realize he wrapped himself, God himself wrapped him in skin clothes, 
and married you. <laughs> and here's where he habitated. In Skinas, habitation, dwelling, tabernacles, the same word used in John 1.14, where I just, and the word became flesh and dwelt in us, and we beheld his glory, the glory is only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Also, Revelation 21, where we get to the end of the Revelation. Hebrews tells us what this new heaven and new earth are. It's you. But Revelation, because we can't read our book, we think it's something else when we get to the end, even though they already told us what it is. Revelation 21, now I saw a new heaven and new earth. Hebrews says, you are the new heaven and the new earth. You are the new creation. He dwells in you. For now I, for I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Heaven and earth to the Hebrew is where God meets man. To them, it was the tabernacle in the holiest of holies. God would meet man face to face. The New Testament revelation is, oh my God, you're the skin tent. You're the temporary tabernacle that I dwell in. Holy smokes. There's no more to see. Then I, John, saw this holy city. Hebrews tells us, you are the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem. You came down out of heaven. Remember what what Jesus tells Nicodemus. Nicodemus. I know you Jews believe in resurrection, but you can't you can't go back to something you didn't come from. The Son of Man ascended down from heaven, and you're going to resurrect. You're going to go back. Nobody goes to heaven unless you first were birthed out of heaven. This is the new good news. I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her. Guys, you are the spotless bride. You were born in perfection. You are perfectly loved. You are perfectly whole. There's nothing in you that is bad. He loves you because you. Christmas is the realization that God inhabits me so I can learn to now be a son and, and return back to my godlike status. Is this helping you guys? I hope so. So now if all that's true, and I ran out of some time, I wanted to cover a couple other things here, but I'm not going to right now. So let's just go to Romans 8, because this is this is where this is where. Paul's whole argument is this. Romans 8, verse 14. Christmas is about the spiritual birth. It's about realizing your true origin, your true birth is from a virgin, meaning it's not from the male seed, your, your earthly father. This is a birth from Christ's seed himself. You first were born out of water, your mother. But there's a separate birth where you're perfect in everything, and that's a realization that Christ has always been in you, and you are the anointed. And it's a spiritual birth. What's flesh is flesh, what's spirit is spirit, is what he's telling Nicodemus. So it says this. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery. Remember the, the narrative, the disciple, the, the shepherds are in darkness, and they saw great light, and their first reaction was, oh, my God, God's scary. No way. You did not receive a spirit of slavery that returns you back to fear. You received the spirit of sonship. By who we cry, he's my dad. And if he's my dad, then we are God's children. I'm paraphrasing Paul, but he says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that if he's my dad, then we're his kids. And if we're his kids, holy smokes, if I'm born in the Gates family, and they have a billion-dollar trust fund for me, and they go, hey, Solomon, there's a billion dollars here. I got a great inheritance. If God's our father, and we're his children, then we are heirs, heirs of God. How much does God own? The whole thing. (laughs) I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness, but it's in the spirit. 
I've blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in the spirit realm, the new Jerusalem. You are heirs of God and literally join heirs with the anointed one. That's Paul's conclusion. Now, what does that all mean? Holy smokes. It means you are perfectly loved. You are that spotless lamb, that bride of Christ, the spotless, all these, all these metaphors and symbolism in scripture that it talks about. That's you. You're not a sinner. You were born in perfection. You would have no spot or blemish. Just as the, 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 the shepherds, when the lambs that were going to be for sacrifice were presented, they wrapped them in swaddling clothes. He wrapped himself in your skin, in your in his skinos. He put himself in you to protect everything that's in there. The kingdom is in there. Christ is in there. And you were perfect in there. When you get that birth, that I am perfect, I am perfectly loved. I am spotless. There is nothing that God withholds to me. He's given me everything, and it's in the spirit. And before we even ask, he's given it to us. So it really is this, guys. You are perfectly loved. He's given you everything already. And it's free. It'll never change. No matter what you do, you're the spotless lamb. You're the spotless bride. You are you are so victorious in him, which, by the way, Nicodemus means the victory of the people. The victory of the ecclesia. It literally means the victory of the, victory of the body called out is Nicodemus. How do we receive it? That's what I've been spending months and months and months on is receive it for free. Believe you have it and you will. Can you just see what you already desire to be and accept it as true? And if you live like that, where you're not waiting for it, where you see it as if it's true already, where you realize I already own this, I'm ready to join air. I've just been choosing the wrong thing. I've been thinking on the wrong thing. I need to feed on that perfection that is Christ in me, giving it to me because I'm a joint heir. So if I can just believe that I already have everything, then it'll happen to my life. That's Christmas. You're the anointings in you. And it won't change. There's no other way. Merry Christmas. Hope it didn't blow you out, but it's way better than what you've been taught. Amen? So I need to stop this share. Uh, and I think it's going to keep recording, which I don't necessarily want. So on Facebook anyway. So what, what I'm going to do, guys, I'm going to end this, but I'll jump right back on in 60 seconds. If anybody wants to jump on, we'll open it up for questions.